golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. Hey, we love it. Hey, welcome. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4. Holly G is in AC, Atlantic City, having a nice weekend up there for the IMG concert. So, uh, yeah, con- yeah. Convention, so well, they uh, might play too. So. Yeah, oh yeah, they'll be playing golf in <laughs> in concert. So, um, good for her. She's gonna have a nice, uh, nice little vacation up there. Much needed. Uh, very hardworking gal, that Holly G. In the studio tonight, I've got Jeff Shane, formerly with the Orlando Sentinel, sports writer for ESPN uh, PGA Tour dot com. PGA Tour dot com. All right, very good, Jeff. Appreciate you being here this evening. Uh, we got Rich in the studio, Rich B behind the mic, and uh, we're going to try and get you home on the fairways of I-4 in good fashion here tonight. Okay, Hideki Matsuyama wins at Memorial. Hideki. Hideki Matsuyama, um, one formerly, of the r- rising stars. Formerly a pitcher with the Red Sox? <laughs> no, anyway, uh, <laughs> my bad. No, I, you could say... Who was the uh, who was the guy that, that won a couple of tournaments like in the early 2000s? His, uh, from Japan, Mat- his name was Matsuyama. Yeah, as well. it's a very popular Shigeki name. Matsuyama. Yeah, there we go. So we've got it. Uh, we got it. Yeah, we, good thing we sorted that out. Okay, yeah, and we've got the uh, Memphis uh, FedEx in Memphis this week, and uh, defending champion Harris English on uh, board in the field and uh, defending his uh, championship, Jeff. This is all taking place in Memphis, perfect time of the year in Tennessee, nice setup for the U.S. Open in uh, Pinehurst. Jeff, what do you think about Harris's uh, chance to see uh, this week here well, in uh, Har- Pinehurst? Harris has not played all that well, really, since uh, coming off the, the West Coast swing. He had a real good early part of the season, and like a lot of young players, and he's still in his early 20s, uh, he, he's tailed off a little bit, and uh, I I think it's tough for any player to successfully defend, especially if your name isn't Woods or Mickelson. But for a young player who's still kind of coming into his own um, and and going through the cycles of kind of learning how to play on the PGA Tour, I think it's it's very very difficult to successfully defend. It is, especially in this day and age when there's uh, there's always somebody ready to take your place, <laughs> and it happens every week. I mean, uh, everybody has a chance to win as soon as they tee it up on Thursday. If you're at that level, you got a chance to win. And it's been very difficult if you if you followed the PGA Tour from week to week. It we see how difficult it is to actually close things out on Sunday. I don't think Kevin Na uh, this past week when he got off the course, he was still three or four shots off the lead. I don't think he was thinking that he was going to get into a playoff, and then he had to wait an hour and a half uh, to to actually tee it up again. Uh. And that's the worst thing mentally because you don't think you're in, and then. All of a sudden, your name keeps bubbling up to the top, and 
and then you have to put yourself right back into competition mode, and it's hard. And then there was a cleanup on aisle five. He <laughs> yeah. just made a big old mess there. <laughs> yes. Off the tee, the playoff first, you know, he tees it up, first playoff hole, first swing. Dude, did he just snap hook that thing, right? Just, just crazy? Yeah, but I think that's a byproduct of, of having to wait because – an hour before, he wasn't thinking that he was getting into a no, playoff. And uh, even yeah. though he goes to the to the range and does the warm up and everything, it's not the physical, especially with Kevin Na. We know it's not the physical. He's physically talented. It's upstairs, that four inches between the ears. Yeah, he does get a little sketchy out there. Doesn't yeah, he? he does. You know, uh, and it was funny. Uh, <clears throat> uh, one of the announcers said after uh, Hideki had hit his second shot off to the left and hit that lady right in the knee. Did you see that? <laughs> Bada bing, hit her right in the knee, cap. And they showed a close-up of it, and she had dimples, uh, you know, big old bruise. Did you <laughs> yeah. see it? Oh, man, what a shot she took. But the ball came to rest just on the outside of the trap, and uh, one of the announcers said little or no chance of getting it up and down. And of course, Hideki got it up and down, and great up and down, and Kevin just uh, all he could do was stand there and watch, uh, you know, at that point. Uh, due to his bad drive off yeah. of the uh, first playoff hole. So congratulations to him. It was a great win. Yes, and Hideki Matsuyama has climbed the ladder, really taken every step. He used to be the number one amateur in the world amateur rankings for a while. Oh, that's right. He I, won, I, won it twice, didn't he? he won the uh, amateur? Uh, the, the Asian amateur yeah. and, and got an invite to the Masters when that tournament was first created out of the box. I think he was the first winner. Uh, of the Asian amateur went professional, won five times uh, as a, in on the Japan golf tour as a professional before he even considered starting to come over to the United States. And he got got into some of the World Golf Championships events by virtue of his world ranking. And one thing that I noticed last year is he got into these events. He really did not seem phased by it. He was he wasn't necessarily contending, but he was putting together a good string of top 25, top 20, top 15 finishes, and, and it just showed that he was not overawed by going up against the likes of Woods and Mickelson and uh, Adam Scott. Yeah, teed it up every week. You know, it, it's a daunting task anyway just to be out there. I mean, everybody probably feels the same amount of pressure, you know, when you go plug it in on Thursday. You know, but at that level, you've come a long way. You've played a lot of tournaments. You've, you're prepared but it's still tough. I mean, and everybody's got a shot. Oh, yeah, 7 a.m. Thursday morning. Everybody's still in the hunt. So, uh, you know, it, it, it was uh, hard to watch old Kevin Na have that little spin out there on 18T. But, uh, uh, you know, hey, congratulations. They made it. You know, they uh, made it into the playoff. Bubba Watson played his way out of it. Exactly. And uh, Paul Casey, he was looking good there right up until. <laughs> he got to Saturday. And. <laughs> I think that's part of the progression too. I yeah. we we've, we've watched Paul Casey really start to put together some good results after the injury problems, the snowboarding accident that blew out his shoulder, uh, and and then he's had some personal issues. He went through a very very messy divorce, and so for him to start coming back and put together uh, a string of good finishes, and even though he finished 13th at Memorial, he had the 76 on Saturday after a pair of 66s. That's his fourth top 20 finish in his last five starts. You know, uh, good player. I think it might have been the beard. <laughs> I don't know about I think it might have been the beard. Uh, about that. I, it's a little shaggy. Uh, well, know. I don't know, you know where things stood with that divorce. Maybe he needs to change his look.
You're listening to the Golf Insiders. Got Jeff Shane live in the studio. Rich B. We got Rich, the producer guy, going to take us out here. Rich, you ready? What do you got? Got to take me out here. Rocking it. Attaboy. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the Strugglers Blues. The Strugglers Blues. Everybody's had those on the golf courses. Now, uh, here's your tip of the day. Relax, enjoy the round, and uh, don't forget to tip your uh, club guy as you go in and out of the clubhouse. Uh, you know what? Hey, this is uh, Tag Your Bag Month, okay? Make sure you got a bag tag on your golf bag. Hey, listen, it's a little thing, but it helps everybody around. And it will help you in case uh, something happens. Your golf club gets lost, your bag gets lost. Somebody finds it, and it's got your bag tag with your name on it. So, uh, yeah, remember that. That's just a little helper from Jeff Shane and I <laughs> sitting here in the Clear Channel Castle over here in Maitland. We're going to try and help you guys get home on the fairways of I-4 safe and sound tonight. All right, Jeff, what do you got for me? We got the U.S. Open next week. We got Memphis this week. You know, winning this week is never a good idea <laughs> if you're never. going it's, well, you know what? Then uh, I, you know I should not say that because last year Phil Mickelson won the uh, the Scottish. The, the, he won the Scottish Open and then won the, the, British, the British, the Open Championship. Yeah, so uh, that was a pretty uh, nice week. But that was, uh, if I'm if my math is right, that was the only the eighth time in history that a player had won the week before a major and then won the major. And it's never happened before the U.S. Open. Never. Never. So never winning uh, the week before the U.S. <laughs> Open uh, is never, is, uh, you know, anyway. Hey, we've got Todd Lewis on the line. Todd, how you doing, Todd? I'm good, guys. How are you? All right, Todd. Hey, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate it. You know, Holly's up there in uh, Atlantic City trying to stay out of the uh, casino. I've got Jeff Shane in the studio. And uh, I... I Tell me, are you in Memphis? Uh, no, I have a few days off before I head to the U.S. Open. Oh, wow. You know what, you know, Todd, this is uh, my, my question was, uh, are you going to be up there for two weeks? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm only going to be there for the men's portion. I, uh, I And it's just because I I cover the PGA Tour only. So oh, okay. I, I, I wouldn't be quite as informative to the LPGA fans. If I was there reporting, I mean, I'll do my best, but I'm, I'm strictly that's the way I'm kind of like siloed is to work on the PGA tour. Hey, that's a, that's not a bad deal. I mean, uh, no. two weeks up there might be just a little bit too much anyway. Uh, uh, okay. We're in Memphis this week, Todd. Uh, give me some scoop, man. What's going on up there? Well, I, I think everybody's going to be playing this week, but they're going to be looking at ahead to Pinehurst. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I think Phil Mickelson's going to be the story, just like he was last week when I was up in Dublin for the memorial. I mean, he he admits he's not playing as well as he as he wants to be playing. He hasn't had a top ten, as we all know, so far this year, and he wants confidence. I mean, that's something that I'm not saying. That's what he's saying. So I think he's going to be the story, um, and, and every camera's going to be on his every shot. So what he takes out at Memphis will be will be interesting, especially with the distraction now of what is a federal invest, investigation by the FBI and the SEC. Uh, Todd, it's Jeff Shane. I, uh, hey, Jeff. Hey, uh, just curious. I mean, there is more than one person that I've talked to this week that has suggested that Phil, although this is definitely a distraction and and all of that, it might actually help him 
uh, get focused and, and shut everything out to get ready for Pinehurst. Are you one of those? I don't think that this is a motivating factor for the Phil Mickelson that I know to focus more, if that's what you're asking. Mm. Uh, no, I, I don't I don't think it's that at all. If anything, I think it could be just the opposite. Um, when Phil has low, in my, what I've observed, and Jeff, you've been out there too, I mean, what, what I've observed is when Phil has kind of lower expectations, of course he wants to win every time he tees it up. Yeah. But Muirfield, Muirfield was a perfect example last year. I mean, he, he really... He said after he won the uh, British Open that this was a, ch- a championship that I never thought I'd win. And, you know, now he's started 2014 by saying that the U.S. Open is the most important tournament on his schedule. It's the one he wants to win the most. And that immediately puts both external and internal pressure on him. And, you know, then you add <laughs> the fact that you just aren't playing well. And now you've got this happening with this investigation. I, I just don't see it as a mental sharpening tool, having the, the feds question you after a round on Thursday at, at the memorial. Yeah, I've, I, I kind of wondered about the timing of that, too. Why, why Thursday? And I remember being at Doral a few years ago when uh, law enforcement uh, confiscated Fulton Allum's clubs right after he completed his round of uh, bad debt or something like that. But I, I'm just curious, and, and I don't know if you even have an answer to this, but why Thursday after the round? I mean, yeah, they had to know that he was there all week. Well, I, I guess that they knew that, I mean, there was a time when he was going to play um, that Thursday, and it was on the schedule. And, and you know, we didn't, I mean, if they, if they were, I guess, observant, they being the feds, that they would have noticed that he was playing at Wednesday morning pro-am as well. But um, and they said they probably saw Thursday morning tea time or Thursday afternoon tea time, whatever it was, and they said, okay, well, he's going to be here at this time, and we'll get him when we when he's done. That That's the only thing I can think of. I really don't know the complete answer. How about beforehand? I mean, he didn't see this coming at all, yeah, uh, Todd? I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've let me just say this. There has been, from what I have heard, you know, the, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times story is the only stories out there. And I think we need to let the facts kind of flow out. I mean, I think, you know, you've got the guy who's who's like a major player on Wall Street denying any wrongdoing. I mean, it's this guy's a, I mean, a pretty big deal. Who's from what I I've read, I'm not a financial guy, but doesn't doesn't have a, a bad reputation financially uh, with his investments. And so. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm well enough versed to speak of this, but from what I understand, I, I think we need need to let the facts play out. I don't know if I don't. I want to make sure that everything that's been reported is completely accurate, and I can only go from what I've heard. And that's Phil Mickelson, and Phil Mickelson wouldn't, I don't think, say this if he didn't believe it publicly, is that he has done nothing wrong. So we'll see. How, we'll see what happens. Wow, how's that? And that's going to be the question he's going to be answering for the next two weeks or whatever. It's uh, that's a damn shame. But, uh, you know, let's not take away from a, a great event here at the FedEx. St. Jude, uh, you know, they, they, you know, it's always a big time up there in uh, Memphis, and great golf tournament. Yeah, it's not, it's not an easy golf course either. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I think it's, you know, for, for its par, it's, it's, it's maybe the third most difficult golf course on the PGA Tour. So, you know, you're not going to see a barrage of birdies. Um, and especially if the wind is, is blowing around, and you know it's going to be hot, so it's going to be a conditioning test as well. You got a pretty good feel there too. Um, you know, besides Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson's there, 
I know Lee Westwood is there, who, in my opinion, is the sneaky guy kind of under the radar that that I wouldn't be surprised to win the U.S. Open this year. It also seems that, that Memphis has been a good place for guys who need an extra at-bat before going to the U.S. Open venue to, to actually do it and, and play well. It happened with Johnson coming back from uh, his injury, uh, his back injury a couple of years ago. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Westwood was a late ad uh, before he won this event in 2010, and uh, uh, Mickelson last year adding it and, and finishing second. Yeah, there's no black and white. I mean, some guys enjoy getting ready for a major championship or a big event by playing competitively or enjoying the competition the week before. Where some guys just want to rest. They, you know, they don't want to go out and play a Wednesday pro-am and Thursday, Friday, and probably Saturday and Sunday rounds, and then you know your wheels up to North Carolina, and then you gotta go out and, and learn this golf course. A lot of guys were going to see this golf course for the very first time. I know that they played it in 2005, but this is a totally different track. Um, so, you know, it's it, it to each their own, and there's no right or wrong formula. Yeah, so, and I did notice that uh, Dustin Johnson uh, playing this week, this is his fifth consecutive start, and then he's going to play a sixth consecutive week, obviously, at the U.S. Open for a guy with a with a history of back issues, I'm wondering if that's the smartest move around. Well, if if you're going to play with a hurt back, Memphis in the middle of June is not too bad a spot. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> you get out there. so you don't worry. You don't have to worry too much about it. The weather, at least, influencing uh, the torque on your back. All right, hey, uh, we appreciate you hanging around here for a minute. Uh, who do you like, the uh, Los Angeles Kings or the New York Rangers? Wow, that might be the most insightful question you've asked me in our time together. Uh, <laughs> what? You know, I, I, I think it's going. To, first, I think it's great for the NHL that that these the two biggest markets in the United States are going at each other. Um, I, I, I kind of think the the Rangers are going to take this one, but it's. Yeah, I think it should go seven. I'm not. And I'm not firm on the Rangers. Rangers and seven. We heard it right here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but they've got they've got a really good goaltender, and I you know I I think they've got just a little more uh, a little more speed. So, but that's my opinion. Yeah, that'll be fun to watch. Hey, Todd, thanks for spending a few minutes with us here on the Golf Insiders, and uh, good luck up there at the U.S. Open. We'll catch you later. Thank you very much for uh, playing along tonight. Now uh, we got Jeff Shane in the studio. And uh, we're about to wrap it up here. We're going to take it away there, Richie Baby. We're going to go to break. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, that's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play a pebble, won't pay the price. I love my Muni, I think it's nice. If we could just make par. It'd be good to just break par. That's what I'm looking for, just break par. When I tee it up, I actually played at the uh, Ritz-Carlton. Nice. Of course, they had just on the green probably uh, a month ago. They're starting to come back real nice. They had them sanded. Oh, what a show I put on. I made a few birdie putts. It was so nice. You know what? You can look at me like those crazy eyes, Jeff. You know what? (laughs) I was at the Ritz. How can you hate somebody for hanging at the Ritz? Rich, show me some love. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I'm at the Ritz, baby. 
Come on, is that as good as it gets it, it right is. there? It is. It's not Unless a bad. you're playing, you know, Pinehurst or hey, Augusta I National. Had a great or day, something. made a few birdies, <laughs> and uh, you can't you can't guilt trip me out of that one. No. Hey, you know what, Jeff Shane? Thanks for showing up here at the uh, Golf Insider Igloo over here at uh, in Maitland tonight. We've got Steve Eubank from uh, Global Golf Post. Steve, you there? Hello, Rich. How are you? Hey, man, I'm hanging in there. I'm in the big chair. Holly G is. Uh, up in Atlantic City trying to spend some of that money she makes. That's fantastic. Great. Well, you know, I, I hope you keep it warm for her. You know what? She's such a showboat. You know, uh, she she sent me a, a text message with her and Jaws. You know, J- uh, Steve uh, J- Jaworski? Uh, Ron Jaworski? Yeah. Ron Jaworski, <laughs> yeah, the, the quarterback. Yeah. yeah, I'm all right. So, you know, she's just such a name dropper. Uh, you know, she's hanging out somewhere with playing with uh, Jaws. So what do you got there, uh, Eubanks? Uh, Global Golf Post, GGP, what's happening there? Well, let's see. I'm off to the uh, Curtis Cup tomorrow. Uh, we, have, we will have all of the coverage from Memphis, and then uh, the entire staff will be headed to Pinehurst. So uh, we will we will be making a full presence uh, for both U.S. Opens. I'll be, uh, I'll be staying in North Carolina for back-to-back weeks. How's that? Two weeks in North Carolina. That's not too bad. Not a bad gig if you can get it. I tell everybody, you know, you have to work weekends, but there is tougher duty. All right, Lowell, let's go right to the Curtis Cup. Now, here's something a little different off of the uh, usual radar. Now, the Curtis Cup is, is an amateur event. Women's amateur. And uh, uh, I I actually I, I forget, Steve. Are, is the, has the U.S. the defending champions, or did they? Uh, yes. Okay, yeah, US they did win it back. Champion. Uh, they are playing at uh, St. Louis Country Club. The captain this year is Ellen Port, who uh, uh, is a five-time USGA champion. She just won the uh, USGA Senior Amateur, uh, Senior Women's Amateur this past year. Um, was our Amateur of the Year last year, so uh, we're we're very excited to have Ellen. And uh, you know, we're looking forward to. Um, we're, I'm really looking forward to spending the week out there and seeing seeing all these great college players and. Uh, you know what they can do. Uh, the, the the one I am most interested in seeing is a girl that I've known since she was 12 years old named Mariah Stackhouse, who uh, plays at Stanford. Uh, she is from Georgia and uh, has just been been an exceptional talent at every level. And not just that, just an incredible human being. So uh, I was talking to the uh, to Stephen Hamlin, who runs the HAGA, about her, and he said, the only thing I can tell you is that one day she is either going to be the commissioner of the LPGA or president of the United States. And I'm not sure which, but she's qualified for both. That's a pretty strong resume right there. And coming from you, Steve, now you cover a yeah. lot of these guys. Now, uh, this is an amateur event. I mean, are there different age groups? I mean, there is, uh, you've got to have some older gals playing in this thing as well, right? Well, it's just the best amateurs in the country. And, yeah. and alas, most of those are, are college-age uh, kids at this stage. Um, they've really just kind of gone almost by the world rankings. Um, so, so you've got we've got we've got a UCLA girl, a Stanford girl, uh, we Ashlyn Ramsey who spent one year at Clemson and will turn professional immediately following this event. Golf Week had her ranked as the number one amateur in the in the world. Uh, so, so it's you know there, there's a there's a very strong U.S. team here, and I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing how they you know how they're able to hold up. Okay, for our uh, listeners, who are they playing? Well, it's, it's GB and I. It's Great Britain and Ireland, uh, and, and it's again, it's a very uh, a very strong team. You've got uh, a number of these girls that that do play over here. I mean, they, you've got a, a number of particularly the English and Irish who are playing 
uh, in Arizona and you know, Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, so, so you know, there, there are a lot of U.S. Most of them, most of these are all U.S. college players. They just happen to be uh, from both uh, the U.S. and the U.K. So, uh, you know, the, a, a number of the the uh, GBNI team came over and attempted to qualify for the U.S. Women's Open and did quite well. I mean, I think I think if you look at the uh, U.S. Women's Open field, you will see that most of these Curtis Cuppers are are in the field. That's pretty strong, right there. You know, that's so cool. Amateur golf, Jeff, is 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 such a cool thing. You know, I'm trying to explain to this gal today on the t- uh, practice tee in Hunters Creek. Hey, listen, why aren't you playing? Why aren't you trying to qualify for the Florida? Uh, you know. Uh, uh, girls uh, amateur, right? You know, and, and you start there in Florida, fsga.org. You go on there. You can find the tournaments to play in. And this is how you kind of get into the, uh, you know, the stepping stones into something like the Curtis Cup. You know, and, and amateur golf is, is the coolest thing, I think, you know, just because it's it's by yourself. You're not a pro and there's nobody throwing money at you. You do it on your own. Yeah, it's really underrated. And I've, the times that I've had, a chance to cover either the well, it was the Walker Cup that I that I covered, or some of these AJGA events. It's really interesting and and very educational to see how good uh, the these young players are, especially the young women players, uh, some of whom never stay amateur long enough. It seems. You know, you're absolutely right, and I'm glad you brought that point up because there are 23 teenagers in the U.S. Women's Open this year. I, I counted that up today. Uh, most of them amateurs, but there are several professionals. Three of those already have seven LPGA titles between them and one major championship. That's... So, uh, look, the, the 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 caliber of player is exceptional, but they're getting younger and younger. You know, that's why I asked you about the age group playing in the uh, the Curtis Cup. You know, at one time, like the Walker Cup, there would be an, uh, an older guy breakthrough somehow, an older amateur playing in the field somewhere somehow. Yeah? Yeah. But at the same time, if we recall what created uh, the, and, and Steve, correct me if I've got this wrong, but that what created the U.S. mid-amateur yeah. is that all the really good amateurs were yeah. college players and there was really hard to get find a place for the career amateur so to speak and uh, and uh to rectify that the USGA opened uh, that uh mid amateur championship yeah exactly because by the time you hit 25 i mean between 25 and 50 you had a quarter century there where you really couldn't compete uh, because you were competing in the US amateur with those college kids and it was just very difficult i mean look i, I have attempted to play in the mid amateur on several occasions and it's just you know, it, it, it's a uh, it's a different game when you get those guys that are in their 20s out there playing with a guy who's in his late 40s and early 50s. Hey, those guys are still pretty good. They are still very good. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Can't write me off yet. I'm hanging in there like a dog on a bone. I am not going to go away. You know, and this is still what motivates me, gets me out of bed. I still love to compete. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to take a swing at it. I just love playing. Yeah, and... and uh... Do you do you sense that the American public really um, in, embraces amateur golf, or, or I should say the American golf fan, or, or have we wound up leaving it behind uh, unless you're just a, an absolute diehard golf fan? 
Well, I think I think you are talking about two levels of fans. I mean, I, I think you've got the the diehard golf fan who absolutely cares about this and will tune in to every match of the Curtis Cup because it's something that that they're very passionate about. And so I I think that's very important. And, and uh, you know, it was like the NCAA's last week. I mean, you had a lot of people who tuned in to watch that uh, because they had a rooting interest in the school, but also because they're diehard golf fans and they love seeing great golf. But then you have you know the, the casual fan just like the casual golfer who has kind of a handful of professional players that they follow. And beyond that, they just don't, not only do they not know anyone, they just don't have any real interest. So it's, uh, you know, I think that um, obviously an event like this is predominantly for the diehard fan. Uh, But I I think everybody would be well served by tuning in and watching. It's really something fun to see. Now tuning in and watching is one thing, but, you know, uh, point and click. Now, let's talk about your uh, global golf post for a minute there, uh, if you don't mind, uh, Steve. You know, could you uh, describe it? You know, uh, uh, what's your, uh, what is it, Monday, uh, your your Monday uh, news flash? Must uh, read, yeah, must, must read Mondays. We are, yeah. we are the, we were the first digital golf magazine. And when I say digital magazine, this isn't a website. It, it, it comes in your inbox and it looks, it has the look and feel of a magazine. You turn the pages like a magazine, it's laid out like a magazine, uh, and it reads like a magazine. And uh, the, the difference is you don't get a paper product, and it arrives at 7.30 every Monday morning. That's so pretty got, sharp. You, know, you got like that. Yeah. So, so, you know, but, but you've got all of the updates of everything that happens in golf first thing on Monday morning. Yeah, and that's uh, stem to stern as far as uh, tours. you got the, all the tours, amateur events. Uh, you know, uh, uh, how about like Hooters tours and the, those guys as well? Yeah, we take the global in our name very seriously. So, I mean, we, we've got all of the European events covered. Uh, we're, we're, we're very adamant about making sure that if it's, if it's big news in the world of golf, uh, we're taking, we're taking advantage of it and, you know, making sure that we've got it covered. And I, having, being one of those Monday morning subscribers, I, I can definitely vouch that if you want to figure out, uh, who's won the uh, ladies' European Tour event? They've got it, they, and 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 it's a really great uh, lineup of, of of columnists that have appeared on the sports pages of many American newspapers. And uh, uh, and Ron Green Jr., their 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 chief PGA Tour correspondent, is you know absolutely top of the line. Yeah, we're we're very proud of the the team that uh, that we've been able to assemble, and I think it's one of the things that allowed us to be successful is the fact that we were able to to bring credibility in the the columnists and the uh, the journalists that we were able to bring on board from all kinds of uh, various newspapers and magazines that people were accustomed to reading. So I mean, you see, you've seen Ron Green for years, you've seen John Hopkins from the uh, from the UK for years, uh, and you know to be able to have that team assembled and and uh, providing columns and providing analysis uh, on a weekly basis. It's, it's been great for us. All I know is that I can't crack that lineup. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Shane's formerly with the Orlando Sentinel. The Orlando Slantinel, you know, here I am. I picked up the Sentinel today, I, you know, and they didn't have a word about golf or what anything uh, that's going on in the world of golf. You know, and, <clears throat> you know, did, did you guys cut a deal with the Florida State Golf Association? Because co- yeah, <clears throat> the email comes to me through FSGA. I get it. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, yes, as a matter of fact, what what we've done is through various golf associations, state and regional, uh, we not only provide um, we, we provide 
all of the members with copies on Monday morning, but we provide some local content. You'll get a couple of pages every week or every other week uh, that are specific to your area. So, and that's that's just to the people within that Florida region. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right, hey uh, Steve, we got to run. Appreciate your time. Uh, Global Golf Post, check it out, Steve. Uh, this is uh, free for anybody to uh, sign up for. Just sign up and, and come. To, no, we'll come to you every Monday morning. Global Golf Post, Steve Eubanks, Jeff Shane in the house. We got Rich, the producer dude. He's going to take it out for us. Rich Bianco on the way out. Oh, yeah. The Dolphins make me cry. Nice going, Rich. Yeah, we come from different worlds. All right, we're coming to different directions on I-4. Yeah, fairways of I-4, a little crowded tonight. Take your time. Cruise along with us, uh, 740. Got Jeff Shane in the house here at the uh, Golf Insiders uh, Clear Channel Castle. That's what we got tonight. We got Michael Collins in the house. Michael, talk to me. I thought you was playing the Hootie for me. No, nah, dude. Nickname on tour was Little Hootie. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know I'm I not going down that road, Michael. You are not dragging. No, man, it's a compliment. It's d- a compliment for me. Dude, you're you're not dragging me down that road. Uh, I'm not Sterling style. I don't go down there. <laughs> what? No, My man. question is, if you were Hootie, who were your who, or if you were Little Hootie, who were the little blowfish? Yeah, no. Nah, Never had a band. Like okay. That. It was just <laughs> never. I'm a solo act, so it was like, you know, Darius Rucker. A lot of people don't know, like he he let out a solo R&B album also. That's really good. So he did that. Then he did the Hootie and the Blowfish, and then he had the number one country record out as well. Darn talented. Yeah, he is very. You know what? It's great music and. Uh, uh, what do you got for me, Michael Collins? Come on, man! I know you're good. I know you're beating the you know beating the the PGA Tour uh, info down. Come on, man! You got to have something for me. What you want to know? I want to know is uh, is uh, is Phil Mickelson buying up a lot of Clorox right now, or is he uh, is he hanging? <laughs> What's your stake in Clorox? <laughs> is he hanging out with <laughs> Carl Icahn? Yeah, he's a cool guy to hang out with. That guy. Hey. hey. Do you know what Snoop Dogg uses to clean his clothes? Huh? Bleach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I use that later on? I can use yeah, bleach. That's all you. That's all you. I'm going to start no, using your stuff, I, Michael. <laughs> I'm not lying. I, I'm going to tell you the truth. I've been so on the fence with this Phil Mickelson thing. You know, because on on one hand, how do you play golf with that? hanging you know where every time you turn on your cell phone you're just waiting to see if you got a voicemail from your attorney you know now that you sent the fbi and the sec look you're going to have to go through my attorney from now on you know on the other hand it's phil mickelson the year that he's been having and the pressure that he's put on himself to try and complete the career grand slam at a course that's going to be set up pretty much just for him. 
I mean, with no rough and waste areas and mown down short game areas where it tests the greatest short game abilities that there are. Well, everybody knows Phil, you know, he's the one that can pull off some of the greatest short game shots that there is. So in that sense, this takes away some of that pressure that he's put on himself because now if he's not playing all that great or hits a bad shot, misses a tee shot, has got to make a recovery shot, how hard do you think that recovery shot is going to seem for him compared to turning on the phone and, hey, you need to come into the office. You know, Martha Stewart's on the phone, and uh, she needs to tell you something. <laughs> you know, I, I, that's what I was saying. You know, like, hey, listen, he's probably glad that this thing is in the, you know, out in the open. Thank goodness, you know, now I can kind of take a deep breath and focus on what, you know, what the, what is really going on. But, you know, you can't mess around. When the feds are involved, you know, uh, they, they want answers and they don't want to hear any song and dance. I feel bad for the guy. I do. Uh, this is, Michael, I've, Wait, I've, why do you, hold on, why do you, here's, and this is the thing that people also have to be careful, like with my chat, people are already throwing the Martha Stewart thing out there. Of course, I say it jokingly, but here's the difference. Phil said, the one thing that he said was, I'm cooperating fully, which means I'm telling them the truth. Here you go. This is what happened. This is, you know, what it is. Martha Stewart didn't go to jail for insider trading. She went to jail for lying and obstruction of justice. See, Phil's only being investigated for insider trading, not for obstruction of justice or lying to the FBI. So it's like as long as he tells the truth, I mean, how how are you going to prove what somebody said over a phone call? And if they were tapping his phone when it happened in 2011 – how do you explain why you were tapping just Joe Q Public's cell phone? Yeah, that's uh, that's getting pretty deep right there, uh, Michael uh, CSI Collins. Now you're doing some <laughs> crime scene, <laughs> you're doing a little investigating there, guy. You know that's getting. No, that's, that's what I'm just saying. But like with all that stuff that's going on too, now here you go. You haven't had a top ten all year, and you're a week before the U.S. Open. Hey, good luck with that. You know. Like, that's now you, you know, when you hit a drive that's a little squirrely and gets over near the people, what happens when you see a dude standing there in a suit coat and you think maybe he got an earpiece? (laughs) Talking into his sleeve? Yeah, that dude does not work for my security detail. Hold on a minute, you know? You know, it does come to mind, though, that Phil, in his first U.S. Open runner-up finish, had a beeper on his caddy the whole time too, so there may yeah. be something to to have in there. And waiting for an unmarked van to <laughs> give you a ride—a little bit different there, a little different. And the thing, the other thing that I said in my video earlier this week, I did a video blog on it. Have you ever looked at Phil's record following up a runner-up finish at the U.S. Open? It wasn't very good, you know, as I recall. He's got, of the six times, well, you count the five times previously because we don't know what he's doing now. But in the five times previously that he's finished runner-up, the year after, he's got one tie for fourth. Other than that, 16th was the best that he's done. The other one's horrible. Horrible. Now, it's impressive when you think that He's only missed since 1990. He's only missed one U.S. Open. That was 93. Only That's when he didn't play in. 
Other than that, this is going to be, and he's only missed two cuts. In, the U, in all the U.S. Opens he's played from 90 until last year, he's missed the cut only twice. Six runner-up finishes. But the problem now is, like, last year finishing runner-up, he hasn't followed up a runner-up finish like you would hope. Whereas, you, you know, this is all we're going to see everything about Payne Stewart. Payne Stewart finished second in the U.S. Open in 98 to Lee Jansen and then followed that up with a win in 99. So maybe there's some good karma that way. But, again, like I said, I'm so on the fence when it comes to this kind of stuff because of, you know, Phil. I mean, you think about Phil having a chance to be world number one. How many weeks did he have a chance to be world number one? And he was so thinking about that. And so, man, I can get to the pinnacle. And you can't, he couldn't play golf like that. Yeah, he couldn't close the deal. You know, and, you know, he is a gambling guy, too. And I'm surprised that he doesn't have the, uh, the inside, uh, you know, the inside guts to kind of uh, close that deal. You know, and, and it's been a long time how many coming. Gamblers- how many gamblers do you know where things end well in Vegas? Yeah, yeah, end well, period. All right, if Michael gamblers, Collins. If gamblers won, the buildings wouldn't be so big. Michael, <laughs> Michael, CSI, Collins. Uh, it, it solves another mystery. You know what? And we did it in under five minutes. CSI, Collins. I like it. This guy, he can get stuff done. Hey, man, we appreciate your uh, coming on tonight, the Golf Insiders. And, uh, Michael, you got anything you want to throw at me uh, real quick? I'm doing the men's open and the women's open, and I'm going to do a special flying in the blimp. And I got a feature that I did earlier <laughs> at Dave Pell's backyard that I shot, and it's the greatest backyard ever. Oh, ever. Uh, what is it, on YouTube or something? Nah, nah, it'll be posted on ESPN.com's golf page soon enough. But the one that's coming out first is about uh, Keegan Bradley's caddy, Pepsi, and how he got the nickname Pepsi. All right, brother. Hey. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Jeff Shane's in the house. We'll catch you later, Collins. Jeff Shane, right, what do you got to plug? What do I got to plug? Uh, just um, PGATour.com. Uh, the, the first look at the U.S. Open will uh, be uh, on, on, the, on the web Friday night, uh, probably about 7.30, 8 o'clock, and we'll go from there. Yeah, what's Rich P got to plug? Yeah, baby, I ran the show tonight without Holly G looking over my shoulder. All right, Holly's up in uh, Atlantic City. She'll be back next week to uh, do the full preview of the U.S. Open. Rich, what do you got? How's the weather outside? (laughs) It's going to be hot, Rich. It's going to be very hot, as always. All right. Hey, uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, Golf Insiders, uh, we're checking out tonight. Take it on home.